Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Tea with Kimberly. I am your host, Kimberly Bailey. Friends and family call me Kim. So if you are listening in, you are now a friend or family of the show. I have someone who I have just admired over a, a very short period of time since we met, but she is just a wonderful person. We have Miss Angela B. Harris. She is an award-winning leadership coach technology leader and philanthropist with more than 20 years of business experience in Fortune 500 companies. Now her bio is amazing. And so I'm not here to give you the bio. I am here to give you Miss Angela V. Harris herself. She'll tell you all about who she is, what she does. But today we are going deep. We are talking about why Black women are leaving tech careers. Why are we leaving? And this amazing woman is going to help us talk it through. How are you doing today, Angela? Hey, Kim. I'm, I'm great. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, too. You know, you have become one of the people I admire in tech. We, we had a, a very random encounter, I guess, maybe over a year ago. And we have just kept in touch since then. But this is a real thing. Black women are leaving their tech careers after many years or sometimes a very short period of time. And I just think you as a leadership coach, technology leader, with all of this experience, I think you can just kind of help us dive into this to see, you know, kind of what's happening out there. But before we get into that, outside of who I said you are, give us a little bit more about who Miss Angela B. Harris is, okay? Well, first and foremost, I'm a woman of God, but as, as you stated in the bio, in my corporate career, I did work in the tech industry for over 20 years. I always had a passion for technology from a very young age. I saw my first computer when I was six years old, and I'm not sure if I knew it was a computer, but I remember I was in a store and I saw this machine and I was just like, you know, punching away at the buttons and fast forward. My father must have picked up on something because when I was nine, my father purchased my first computer for me, which was a Commodore 64. So okay. I was kind of like that self-taught, I guess, technologist back then because computer science education wasn't a thing. STEM wasn't an acronym when I was a child. So my friends, they were playing like Sega and Nintendo after school. I was that kid going home, teaching myself how to do things on my computer. I taught myself the basic programming language when I was in elementary school. So Always had that fascination for technology, and my father's all. My father always stressed the importance of education, so I knew from a young age that I wanted to attend college and study technology. So I made that my goal. Graduated, entered the workforce, and here we are. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a great story, and just to know how much has changed from the time you got that first computer until now is very fascinating, right? Right, because we had. And with the floppy disk drive, like five and a half and three and a quarter and all that, and dot matrix printers and dial up, uh, dial up internet service and bulletin board services back in the day. I tell you, it, it has really evolved. And so you've gone from that until now you are a leadership coach for Black women in tech. So how did you become a leadership coach specifically for Black women in this dynamic technology field? Yeah, it's been a journey, Kim. And honestly, if you would have ever asked 18-year-old Angela, you know, would I ever be a coach? Would I ever be a full-time entrepreneur? I, I didn't envision any of this for myself. And mm -hmm. the topic is why Black women are leaving technology. Sadly, I fell into that category. 
again, I was always passionate about technology. So I was super excited to enter the workforce after I graduated. And I'm also a first generation college graduate. So I just, you know, assume, wow. you know, go to school, get your degree, start working and things will start happening. And over time, I just, I, I didn't feel that my career was progressing in the manner that I expected as a college graduate. And I quickly learned or realized that the rules were different for, for Black women in corporate America. My, my very first uh, job was actually when I was in college, I went to Drexel University in Philadelphia. And the, the neat thing about Drexel is that we do co-op experiences. So we work for six months out of the year for three years of our course of study. So my first co-op job was with a chemical company in Philadelphia. And I remember going through the interview process. Again, I'm super excited to get my first, you know, tech job. And I'm there for my interview. And the hiring manager told me, this is like 1998. We've never had any women work mm -hmm. in this department before. So I want to hire two female co-ops to work in this department. Okay. And the, the statement of what he said didn't really hit me until I saw the movie Hidden Figures. So I was one of the first women and the first black woman to mm -hmm. work in that department when I was a sophomore in college in 1998. So like again, I didn't have STEM role models, no mentors. So I didn't know mm -hmm. that I was entering a male dominated field or industry. I, sim I simply pursued my, my passion of you know technology. So I didn't realize that I was entering the male dominated workforce. So I was oftentimes the first or the only mm -hmm. on many of the teams that I worked in corporate America. So with that came lack of mentorship, yet alone sponsorship. So I had to navigate a lot of unique experiences just based on my own judgment because I, I wasn't getting that support. Wow. So I can identify, I've been in technology for 28 years and I often have found myself being the only woman on a team, the only Black person on a team. And um, so I, I, I get it. And I have I have tried to stick and stay. I really have. I have had my feel of it at times. I have taken a break at times. I've always kind of found myself back in it and, you know, in some type of way. And just like you being the first in that area, I was um, the first Black female CIO for um, a public sector company, the, the city of Memphis. And so I, wow. I can get the challenges. And so... I know my my reasons of wanting to, you know, leave it all behind, right? But why do you think Black women are leaving technology? I mean, we have gone to school, we have student loans, we have ascended to these, you know, various positions of leadership, and 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 all of a sudden we say enough is enough. So what, you know, in your studies and experience, can you share with us on why you think Black women are leaving technology? So many reasons, but to start, the lack of mentorship, yet alone sponsorship. And we know okay. that when we- Can you tell us the difference between the two? You know, just the, the listeners can understand yeah, the difference absolutely. between mentorship and sponsorship. Yeah, so a mentor is someone who's essentially like an advisor to you. They may or may not work in your field, but they give you advice on how to navigate your career. And a sponsor is typically a senior level leader within your organization, and they have the power to open doors for you. Like they are the people that are saying your name 
And behind those closed doors, when those meetings are happen happening regarding those special projects or promotions, mm -hmm. so sponsorship sponsors have the power to get you essentially get you promoted. Okay, okay, so like the fairy godmother or the fairy god boss of, of the workplace. <laughs> they can just wave the magic wand and make things happen for you. Okay, okay, and and I can see, I, I can see the 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 real difference between the two, because I feel like there have been times where I have had both and where I have had none or mm -hmm. where they have not kept that role, where they have mm -hmm. switched up kind of on me. Yeah. They started out being a sponsor and then they kind of, you know, disappeared. So, so okay. I, I get that. Um, I, I did a little research um, because this is a, a, a big topic and I did a little research on um, kind of why and I guess I want to get your thoughts on it one of the reasons they say glass ceilings shatter for black women in tech they say about 22 to 28 percent of c-suite positions in tech sector are only held by women right which is not a lot considering mm -hmm. all the movement that we see and so you know you grow up thinking about you know this glass ceiling thing, do you really think it actually shatters or does it even exist in your mindset? Well, I don't think it necessarily shatters. And then we've also recently heard the concept of the glass cliff where you see women actually being elevated to some of those senior level positions. However, they aren't given the proper support. So it's just like they're, they're failing. They're, they're falling off the cliff <laughs> because they aren't getting the proper support in terms of, I guess, like resources, budgets, the sponsorship or the coaching that they need to be successful in their roles and or they're expected to work miracles in a very short time frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about isolation? Do you think it can be a culture of isolation? That's another reason. Yeah, absolutely. Because in the tech industry that this number has remained flat for years, but black women make up only 3% of the tech industry. So again, it's still a white male dominated field. And if, if you're the first or the only on your team, that can be very isolating trying to build those relationships. And we know that as it, as it relates to advancing your career, it's all about who you know, versus not necessarily what you know. So if you're trying to get promoted and your colleagues are going for coffee or they're, they're golfing together or going out socially after work, oftentimes, I know I wasn't getting those invitations. I was never invited to lunch, coffee, golf or whatever. I, there, there were times where I would look my senior leaders, you know, in the eye, in the hallway and say hello. They wouldn't even speak. Or I'd be on the elevator and I would say hello and they wouldn't speak. So how do I advance my career if they wouldn't even look me in the eye or acknowledge me? Wow. You know, that's very real. That is very real. What about another reason they say unequal compensation? Yes, the pay gap. And um, there was that research that came out this year. I think they said it was going to take 100 years for Black women to reach pay equity. 100 years. I'll, I'll be dead. I'll be long and gone. <laughs> so yes, we are paid. We are paid fairly. We are paid fairly and add on the fact that we're expected to, to do more and mm -hmm. still being underpaid and undervalued. Yeah. So I definitely um, can identify with having the same role as a male counterpart and the pay not being um, the same. So what about limited work-life integration like that? They say work-life balance, but I like to flip it. I like to, I don't like to always fit my life into work. I kind of like to fit my work into my life. And so what about that limited integration of that for 
black women in the technology yeah. field I can see that because, you know, depending on your role in tech, you may have to do those late night implementations. You know, if you're mm -hmm. DGA, you might be working crazy hours on the weekend. So, yes, there could be that work-life integration mismatch. Yeah. And then oftentimes, you know, we have the, I guess, the perception in the Black community, we have to work twice as hard, and whereas our counterparts do not. Yeah. and Or at least we feel like we do. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we come into it with that type of mindset. A fifth reason that they say, the studies say, is persistent bias and harassment. Yes, <laughs> I, I would definitely agree with that. I'll just share like a quick story with you. I was working at a healthcare company and um, I was a project manager and I was being moved to a new project at the time. And the person that was onboarded to take over the, the old project that I was working on had never been a project manager a day in his life. Mm -hmm. He was a middle-aged white man who was like friends with like the CFO of the company. Okay. So I guess the other part of the story is that when I um, was, I guess, going through the process to become a full-time employee, I was brought on as a contractor initially. And then the manager I was working under, she wanted to offer me a full-time job. But I said, I want to be brought on full-time as a project manager because I'm already doing the work right. project manager. And I'm in the process of getting my PMP, my project management, project management professional certification she told me that it was her personal preference to only hire PMs who were certified. But again, she knew that I was preparing to take the exam and she had seen the work that I was doing. And it wasn't a requirement in the job description that you mm -hmm. had to have a PMP. It was just her personal preference. So she refused to hire me as a project manager. But again, I said, this white man that came in to take over the project that I was working on, he had never been a project manager day in his life and didn't even hold a PMP. So fired. Wow. So, you know, those are the things, those five things are kind of what, you know, the studies show over the last year. But I actually reached out to a couple of Black women who are in tech or have left tech. And these are some of the reasons that they say. Mm -hmm. They say um, there's a toxic work environment. They say that they feel like their tech um, jobs were devalued. Um, that they didn't really just feel like what they brought to the table was of value. They felt like there was biased employees and um, people not willing to work with them or see them succeed. They felt like there could be, um, there were times they were sabotaged in their jobs. Mm -hmm. um, they felt like there were more people who wanted their job than wanted to help them do their job. Mm, yeah. Wow. yeah um yeah um lack of allies yeah. um they felt gaslighted by managers yes <laughs> um they felt like their experience didn't matter and finally there was just a lack of trust in the organization yes, yes all of that and I can I can speak to the, every single thing that you said okay. honestly and I don't okay. even know where to start um <laughs> I really don't Let's just go with the back to the the whole talk about bias. As an, as another person example, I was working for a company, and when I joined the company, I obviously negotiated my job offer. But when I got there and started, you know, doing the work and interacting with different, you know, colleagues and seeing the leaders in the organization, I quickly realized that the leaders had less qualifications and competency than me but they were they they were in director level positions it was a program manager group but they had completely unrelated degrees like community
communications and journalism. There was a manager that had degrees in sociology and social work, but I was coming in with a master's degree, years of industry experience and my PMP certification. And I'm like, these are the leaders. And then I got reorged and we're in like a, you know, introductory team meeting and we're going around the table doing introductions. And one of my peers, she's introducing herself. She's like, yeah, I've been here for 20 years. And in December, I'll be graduating with my bachelor's degree my pearls because I'm like I just joined this company and I know like the perception that I had and like, all the qualifications that I'm bringing to the table and like we're peers and you're just getting a degree and I, I have a degree and then when I saw some other information within the company there was a leadership program that I had completed prior to joining the company but if I wanted to do the same program as an employee of this company I needed to be one salary level higher so I'm like Make the math isn't math, and like make it make sense. Like, why why is it so? Then, when I started approaching the conversations to actually have um talk about promotion, my manager, who again, completely unrelated background, no master's degree, no project management background, no certification, told me that mm-hmm. I didn't meet the competencies to for the next level position. Yeah, so you know, what I have learned is that you know, I can learn from and work with anyone with any background, right. But I think sometimes there can be a disrespect from some people who haven't done as much study in a certain area. And they just try to make you feel like a little bit less about, yeah, you did all of that, but here I am and I'm your, you know, I'm, I'm your superior or what have you. And it's not, it's not a, you know, overarching theme in every area or every uh, employer that I've, you know, had the opportunity to work with or for, but there have been times where you almost feel bad for having all of your qualifications. They try to make you minimize that a yeah, little they, bit. They definitely undervalue because like, yeah. one of the things that came up, she was like, oh, you have to exhibit thought leadership. And at that time, I'd just been elected to, I was just, um, I just joined like an IT advisory board for LaSalle University. I'm like, how doesn't that embody thought leadership if, if I'm contributing to the curriculum and things of that nature for a university? Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you have to exhibit that within the company walls. Okay, that's fine. But then when I do speak up and share my thoughts and views and meetings, because you don't have the related background, you can't appreciate the thought leadership that I'm putting forth. You, you just shut it down. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of reasons to give up. I, I, we found five studies and then ten just random people that I just kind of reached out to. So, so tell me this: in your opinion, what do corporations need to do to support their Black women tech employees? That's a long list, but I would say first and foremost, believe them. We, we talked about the toxic work environments, and I think. That that's the biggest issue right there. The fact that nothing is done to address the toxic work culture. I'm actually working on a book and I've been doing interviews and I interviewed um, a vice president of human resources and he shared a story. And one of his quotes was that result trump toxicity. And oftentimes senior leadership is aware of this negative and toxic behavior, but because the person is delivering results, they turn aside eye and just allow it to continue at mm-hmm. the detriment of the employees. And so again, also when employees speak up, we are turned into the victims. I know I've experienced yeah. that personally. I was a victim of a toxic work environment, which contributed to my exit from corporate America. But when I spoke up and I explicitly told HR, I do not feel psychologically safe. I want to be moved from my team. And here are the reasons why and the experiences why they did nothing. 
If anything, yeah. they were working with my manager to try to have me fired. So believe black women when they are speaking up and they are addressed and they are raising these issues and yeah. remove these people from these positions. Retaliation is real. Yes, it's very real. Retaliation is real. That's so I all think it's that's all I'll say about that. The toxic work environment. Yeah. I'll just say that retaliation is real. If you yeah, can like explain, start by addressing the toxic work environment, pay equity do do they should do was it a, a pay audit, which they probably won't share the real results of the audit, but again, do a pay equity audit and see like are your black female employees or your black employees in general being pay, paid on the same level as their as their counterparts. Yeah. And sponsorship. Sponsorship is lacking. Yeah. Um, I can remember being in a role asking for a mentor and they never found one. <laughs> I mean, like, mm -hmm. it was just not a priority. So um, I get that. So with all of this that goes on and, you know, we, we want to be successful in, in these careers. Do you think we should just give up? It's like, you know, forget it. If, if it's, if it's going to be this way, forget it right should that be the answer or what well, should it's, it's really a personal decision it's, mm -hmm. it really is a personal decision some people you know do still desire to stick it out and you know make it work but if you feel like it's not working for you you have to do what's best for you if that's leaving it may be leaving and mm -hmm. it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to mean leaving tech overall but definitely leaving that particular role or maybe that company for something that's a better fit i think about i think about the quote from nina simone you have to learn to to leave the table when respect is no longer being served and sometimes we stay in these roles and companies trying to stick it out to, to our detriment to our mental and physical health yeah is that why you went into entrepreneurship it just wasn't it, it is it is okay yes, uh, sad, sadly um i said victim of a toxic work environment and there was one particular incident that just really left me feeling unsettled and it involves my manager and my skip level manager and it happened in a very public way and I was the only black person on the team and I just didn't feel comfortable working for a manager that had clearly exhibited a bias towards black people and again this had this like very unsettled feeling in my body and I just could not shake this experience for whatever reason like I've, I've dealt with things like this in the past but this one just hit me different Mm -hmm. And I just could not, you know, push past it. You know, fast forward a few months, I, I go for my mammogram and they say, we okay, we see something that wasn't there six months ago. We want you to have a biopsy. Mm. But I have a biopsy and I'm diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. Oh, wow. And I, the doctors won't admit it, but you, you thought, you know, your body. And I feel like I, I knew something was off and I feel like it was the stress that I was, you know, trying to process. Mm -hmm. After that experience, though, diagnosed with breast cancer in the midst of still trying to navigate this toxic and negative work environment, working mm -hmm. for a manager who, again, has publicly displayed a bias who I do not feel comfortable interacting with. And I'm also recognizing that I'm having issues doing my job. Like I'm having issues concentrating, focusing, like the tasks that I used to be able to complete. I just I just can't execute, but I'm a high achieving person. I've, I've never had this problem before. I also, I'm also recognizing that it's only when I logged onto my work computer, like everything on the boards that I was serving on, all the external activities that I was involved with, I was spot on, I was able to execute. But when it came time for me to actually do my job, like I, I feel like I just froze mm -hmm. in front of the computer. So fast forward seven months after the breast cancer diagnosis, my therapist diagnosed me with 
work-related depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So tell us what, I, I think I know what all of that is separately, but what, what is that? Well, essentially with the PTSD, which again, I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a, such a thing as workplace related or work-related PTSD. So when I mm -hmm. shared with you how I was having issues concentrating and focusing and executing tasks, those are symptoms of PTSD after you experience a traumatic incident at work. Oh, wow. Okay. However, I, I will add to that, that my manager was labeling me as a performance issue. She was like, oh, people were saying that, you know, you aren't following through or your, 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 your turnaround isn't good. So instead of extending empathy as to what I was dealing with, that she was also a part of, I, again, I was labeled as the, the, the villain in the situation. Wow. So, you know, I, I can, I can identify with having health challenges while you're trying to perform a job. I can recall sitting at a desk a couple times and having, you know, chest pains. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a time I sat at my, this same desk and I just broke out in hives just yeah. all of a sudden and had to leave. And, um, just all kinds of things, just, you know, migraines, all kinds of things, dealing with, you know, um, lots of external factors, trying to perform, trying to feel like you're pleasing someone that w is dead set on not being pleased. You know, yeah. I could have turned water into wine and they <laughs> would not have liked wine. You know what I'm saying? Even if they had yes. said, I, I, I love red wine. I turn it into red. Oh, no, but I really like white. Oh, yeah, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing wine this week. You know, it, it could have been anything. And so sometimes I do think we run ourselves into uh, a very bad pit trying yeah. to please people that are just not going to be pleased. And you know what I what I started to think about in these roles is what's important to me, right? And it's my safety, my mm -hmm. sanity, and mm -hmm. my soul. Yes, yes. And if I am compromising in any of those areas, my safety, my sanity, or my soul, I cannot align with that particular organization. I agree 100%. And that is why I ultimately decided to leave my corporate job because again, it was already affecting me mentally and physically. And thankfully, you know, things were caught early, but I just didn't want to continue to subject myself to that type of treatment or behavior. Yeah. Interesting. So would you ever go back into a tech role or is entrepreneurship the new Angela V. Harris? You know, I, it's, it's hard. To, I learned you can never really say never, but honestly, I have more fulfillment now as an entrepreneur, although it comes with its own set of responsibility and things of that nature. I, I have more fulfillment now mm -hmm. than I've ever experienced in my corporate career. And I feel like for the first time, I'm actually in space, places and spaces where people truly value and appreciate me versus undervaluing what I bring to the table. I feel like I'm actually celebrated for the first time in my career. Oh, uh, right. Absolutely. Because you set the benchmark for that. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So I know um, in, in doing some research on your company, you have the career accelerate her for black women in tech. And can mm -hmm. you just kind of explain what that means? 
Yeah. And I guess basically I feel like I'm trying to be the person that I needed or wanted if I would have chosen to stay in technology. Again, I shared that I didn't have mentorship. I didn't have sponsorship. I did have access to an executive coach, but that came almost close to 20 years you know, in my career. And I actually working with that coach is actually pretty a, a very pivotal moment for me within my career. So with the Career Accelerator Program, it's all about, you know, taking that step back. I feel like we oftentimes run our lives and careers on autopilot. So we thought we set out with one goal, but we get caught so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. We don't necessarily check in with ourselves to say, is this role, is this job still truly in alignment with my, my values and my personal mission statement? So one of the first things that I do with my clients is have them, you know, reassess their personal values, identifying their values, creating a person mission statement, and just getting clear on the roadmap for their life and career. And as women, because we are undervalued and not appreciated in a lot of these spaces, we tend to, you know, doubt ourselves or, you know, it affects our confidence. So it's, it's learning to, you know, reframe some of those limited, limiting beliefs, like, oh, they're never going to hire me at this company. I'm never going to get promoted, but it's learning to push past those thoughts and, you know, reframe our mindset and then ultimately putting them on a plan to set them up for long-term success, making sure they have a good, you know, morning routine to establish their day, making sure that they have the proper network support, you know, teaching them the importance of networking. I also have a branding person that they work with to work on their resumes, their, their bios, and their LinkedIn profiles. So this, you know, taking it from, I guess, like a holistic approach is focusing on the mind, body, and soul of Black women in tech. Right. I think that's very good. Um, I, I do think something like that is definitely needed, especially if you're suffering from that isolation, which comes along with a lot of this and just not having that support. I have this thing about having my own personal board of directors. Yes. And, um, and I am the CEO, the chief encouragement officer of that. Right. And so I do have an executive coach that I worked with and that I wish I had worked with him earlier again in my career because it was, you know, very um, pivotal to, you know, to the point that you said uh, and helping me just kind of navigate. And a lot of times we go to coaching and counseling and all these things, looking for ways to help us deal with the situation but I think what we learn is more about how to deal with ourselves and what our max mm -hmm. is. We should not be trying to always put a round peg in a, you know, a round peg in a square, you know, space, right? Sometimes it's just not a fit for us anymore. And yeah, we need yeah. sometimes for people to help us identify that and make it okay. Um right. I know that coming out of leadership roles, you know, I think sometimes the expectation is for you to always seek those types of roles. And, you know, what could you share to Black women who may be a bit exhausted, may have some PTSD about previous roles, but still like the field and have found other ways to be fulfilled in that field without all of that? high-ranking position, what would you say to them, to me, <laughs> to people like that, to um, keep them encouraged that it's okay if they don't, you know, choose to do what they used to do at this point in time? 
Yeah, I would just say tune out the outside noise. Again, you have to do what's best for you and forget about the perception. Like you have to, you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And oftentimes, you know, I've, I've interacted with women, you know, as, as a coach and they are afraid to let go of the title and the lifestyle that comes along with the title. But at the same time, they're dealing with high blood pressure. They're dealing with the depression and all these other symptoms, but they don't want to let it go because they like the lifestyle and the prestige of the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it can it can be um, draining. And, you know, there was a point, mm-hmm. and I think I shared this with a friend that, um, you know, you can work so hard for people and work yourself to death for people that you wouldn't even want at your funeral. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this as a society, we've come so our identity is so caught up in what we do. And I think it's important to have an, an identity in a life outside of work. Like, like, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy, enjoy doing mm-hmm. outside of work? I did a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago and, and the, the topic was exploring your identity outside of work. And one of the mm. exercises I had the attendees do was to, to do introduction, but you can't talk about anything you do for work, introduce yourself, but don't mention anything about your, your job. And right. some people are, people struggle to say with who they are. It's like typically like, oh, well, I work for this company. I work for that company. I'm this role. I'm that role, but you're a person first and you'll be a person if you're working at that company or not. Right. Right. Um, I, my, I had a segment where my executive coach came on one of the podcasts and, um, he said, you know, like, people can be monologuists and they like to just talk about themselves and what they do. Right. And he was like, instead of, you know, walking into a networking event, asking people, so what do you do? He said, how about asking people, so what are you excited about? Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think we should, that, that should be a challenge for everyone that goes to networking events. Because again, I feel like so many of us are evaluated by the company that we work for or the job that we have. When you go to some of these large, you know, tech conferences or networking events, they only want to talk to the people that work for the Googles, the Amazons, because it's like, what can they do for them? But at the end of the day, we're all individuals. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, just in your overall opinion, what should, you know, just maybe some advice, let's say for someone who's like seasoned in the tech field, what is some advice that you would give to you know a black woman who's been in tech who's suffering from most of these things that have happened what would you say to her Mm -hmm. um about you know how she should navigate or what she should do i would just say you know sit with yourself for a minute and you know reevaluate how is how is you staying really serving you and again for me I, i was working with my own coach when i was trying to navigate would I stay or would I leave? And, you know, through the course of doing doing work with my coach, I recognized that it was time to leave, but it was a whisper that I had for a few years. And it's like, you, you try to stick it out and make it work, but you were ignoring it. But sometimes you have to just face it. So just really getting clear, like getting clear and sitting down with yourself and saying, is this, is this still serving me? And it's making sure that the work that you were doing, the company where you're working is truly aligned with your personal mission and your values. It's also, you'll find that when you aren't fulfilled or satisfied or excited about your job, it's because it's no longer in alignment with your values. And our our values shift, we evolve as people over time. So again, it's just reevaluating what makes the most sense for your lifestyle in the next chapter of your life. Right. And so knowing that we are, you know, definitely the numbers are low 
of representation of black women in tech fields. And of course, you we want more black women in tech. We want to see young people, you know, get the computer science and engineering and all the STEM degrees and and provide an influx of, you know, new, talented, fresh faces. But what do you say to them if they hear this podcast and they're like, well, now I don't even want to do that. And like, what, yeah, what, yeah. what, what we can, what can we do to equip them before they even get there that maybe we didn't have, um, that we right. had to navigate through? What would you say to someone who's listening to this now, maybe questioning their tech path? Very good question. I would say, first and foremost, build your community. Community is going to be so important. Again, as a first-generation college graduate, I didn't truly understand the importance of networking. So you talked about having your personal board of directors. So build your personal board of directors. Find mentors in the industry. Get involved with professional you know, tech organizations. just like NSBE, BDPA, ITSMF. So Form your community because that is going to be your support system as you are navigating these unique experiences that you are most likely going to face. Yeah. And if this is truly the path that you want to take, that that's where the community is going to, you know, come into that you need you need someone to lean on when you have those days at work. We need to have those conversations with your friends and you, you need to people that you can call on. Right. So yeah, because we do, we want to create a tech pipeline and we don't want to discourage anyone. No, but we want you to be realistic and right, know what right. the potentials could be. Now, every company is not that way, but that you can find some very unique gems that yeah. uh, <laughs> that pride themselves on just kind of being stuck in a mindset that we are trying to move away from, right? Mm -hmm. And I would just also just add, just like, know, know that you belong. Like, I feel like we need to get, get rid of the term imposter syndrome. None, none of us are imposters. We wouldn't be in the jobs or positions that we hold if we were imposters. We're definitely educated and sometimes more educated and qualified. So we definitely belong to be in these rooms. And I would also say that when we are in these rooms, we have a responsibility to reach back and create space and bring other people into these rooms as well. Absolutely. And so again, as the if we're ever in decision making positions and we find that we're the only one represented, we have the autonomy to bring in others to help create that internal community. Um, yes. So yeah, so I, I definitely want those who are just exhausted to know that, you know, there are resources out there and those who are new, there are still resources. But I think the common denominator for it all is building your community of support and having people that you can go to no matter what stage yes. you are in this uh, technology realm for you to um, be able to lean on. So mm -hmm. we've talked about a lot of things and I think I felt like I knew why Black women were leaving tech careers. But um, just in preparing to have this discussion with you, I think it was a lot more eye-opening and it kind of shed some light on why I felt like sometimes that I want to tap out. But, you know, um, it just depends on, you know, where you are and what the opportunities look like. But you have to go into it with your eyes wide open, right, about whatever is happening and just try to be the best you and make the best decision for your health and your wealth, right? So 
there's a segment of the podcast that I call forward ever, backward never. And the mm -hmm. phrase came from me. I grew up in a church and that was our church motto. And so that's really how I try to look at things, Angela. No matter what happens, at some point I have to say, forward ever, backward never. I'm not going back. I'm not going to hang on to it. It may come up. You know, I may have to work on some things. I may, but I'm not, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to keep, you know, keep moving forward. So if you had to share a forward ever for Black women in tech, what should we look forward to? What should we be going after? How do we move forward uh, in today's, you know, way of working? Wow. <laughs> That's a tough question. But I think first thing that comes to mind for me, I would, the first word that came to mind for me was change change and what yeah. do you mean by change well so many companies have these diversity initiatives and they say they want you know more women black women in technology so they are talking the talk I'm not necessarily convinced that they're actually walking the walk yet but you know they're talking the talk so at some point we we should expect to see some change if you are truly serious about it we, sh we should see some change Okay. Right. We can't keep having the same conversations year after year and not see any change, which is what unfortunately we've seen in previous years. But at some point, something has to change. Right. Okay. I like that change. Forward ever, we should be looking forward to to change. So what about back? Honestly, I think let's let's not say look. We should expect change. We, should, Again, we, we hear all these promises. We should we should expect change. Like we we talk about the pay gap every single year. Okay. You're when, right. When, do we, when, 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 when can we expect the change? <laughs> there are entire movements around the yes. planet, right? At yes. some point, they should no longer exist. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, absolutely. <laughs> because the pay equity thing has resolved itself because change has come. We shouldn't even need it. Okay, I get it. So what about backward never? Uh, what should we just not go back to? First thing that comes to mind for me, I would just, the first statement, settling for less than what we deserve. I like that. I like that. And be, and, and knowing it, sometimes we don't always know it and we should be very clear on what we feel like we deserve from a safety, a sanity, and a soul. Yes. We, we are worthy. We are, that's, that is a basic need that everyone is worthy mm -hmm. of. Exactly. Well, this has been great, Angela. I am so happy that you joined me for some tech tea with Kimberly on today. And being that you, you know, as, as an entrepreneur and you have a fully active coaching business where you, you know, coach Black women in leadership who are in technology careers, how can the listeners get in touch with you and, um, become a client or get some help from you? What can we do? Yeah. Well, I, I would love to connect. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angela V. Harris, or you can visit my website at AngelaVHarris.com. Excellent. Well, this was fun. I enjoyed this. I mean, and this I is a great, great topic and a, definitely a much needed topic of discussion.
Definitely. And so I, again, Angela, thank you so much. I really appreciate us connecting. We connected at a very weird time of yes. COVID. You were here in Memphis visiting and um, we got a chance to connect. So I just thank you for staying um, just a solid source of uh, information and just being just a bright light in this uh, tech field. So I just really appreciate you joining me today. And to anyone listening, I know that you hear what we say. It can be tough. It can be hard, but you have resources. And once you get the support around you, people like Angela and building that team of community, you can, you can make it. You can make it work but you absolutely should not force it to work. If it is impacting your health and, and all of those things, you should figure out a, a way to get off that ramp um, before it takes you out. We want you here to be a, va a valuable member of this tech community in many different ways, and you can still do it no matter how it shapes out for you, but don't you know, sacrifice your health and your sanity and, and your psychological safety just to be in a role. Make sure that it makes sense. But if you're there and you need support, there's all, re all types of resources and we're here to help you out. And if you just don't know what to do right now, if you're still trying to figure it out, always continue to Kim. That is keep it moving. <laughs>